Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 256 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Corey House. Hi, everybody. Amy Knight. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv. Uh, just a quick shout out Angular Remote Conf and React Remote Conf. CFPs are open. Um, we also have a special guest this week, and that is Roy Sivan. How's it going? It's going well. Do you want to give us a brief introduction? Yeah, my name is Roy. I'm a, primarily a WordPress developer over at Disney Interactive, um, and I've been a JavaScript fan for quite a long time. So I've been at the crux of building cool stuff with JavaScript and uh, how that correlates with the WordPress community. Very cool. What was that like being a big JavaScript fan and doing a, being a WordPress developer? Did was was there much opportunity for overlap for you? I will tell you that uh, my first talk on the topic at actually WordCamp, which is like the WordPress conference um, here in LA, was back in I think 2014, and I'd already been doing it for about a year, and I got a packed room of people who were interested, but a shockingly quiet room once I opened it up for questions because no one knew what I was talking about. Um, and I introduced the topic uh, or the concept of headless um, WordPress, which no one seemed to really understand at first. Um, you know, the mindset of a typical WordPress developer includes a full stack from server to templating. And I said, you know, you can cut that in half and use something else for templating and just use the data. Um, so it, it took a while. Um, then the founder of, of WordPress kind of had his mantra, uh, was it last year, two years ago, where he said, you have to learn JavaScript deeply because that's kind of the future. And since then, it's actually been quite easier to attract uh, people and get more people who understand what I'm talking about. So it's been a cool roller coaster to be on, that's for sure. That's really interesting, given where hmm. WordPress developers come from. What, what about the other way? How do you get JavaScript developers interested in WordPress? All right, let's take a break and earn a little money for the show by talking about Hired.com. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. They put you in control, fill out an application, and then top employers apply to hire you. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will also have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. And Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And they help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. So if you're open to relocation, you can let them know and they'll work that in too. Finally, if you use our link, you can earn double the normal hiring bonus. The normal hiring bonus is a thousand bucks and they give you 2000 instead. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber. That's really interesting given where mm. WordPress developers come from. What, what about the other way? How do you get JavaScript developers interested in WordPress? Um, with the Angular community, it hasn't been too difficult because uh, WordPress being what it is, um, you can say, hey, power your application, especially if it's a content-heavy application, with something that 
so much of the market already knows, talking about actual users, content editors, things like that. But then take, you know, just an API and power whatever it is you want with it. Um, showing off examples of people who do node uh, stack development, bringing in WordPress data into the equation uh, for their application. Um, so it's actually not even a hard sell. It's just, hey, here's JSON. Do what you want with it. You know, they understand a little bit more quickly um, what that entails. Um, the hard sell is usually just, uh, you know, having WordPress on the back end and, and telling them they don't have to build out their own CMS every single time. I'm kind of curious to back up a second about what you said, because I do know um, a couple people who do WordPress. And I know for me particularly, um, that's kind of part of the way I got into programming because I was working on an employer site. Uh, it wasn't WordPress, but it was something called Expression Engine. But all that to say, um, why was there like this cry to learn JavaScript? Was it just because people were not really like digging in deep enough to that? Or why did it was that? so uh, the kind of community rallied around it after Matt Mullenweg, who's the founder of WordPress, um, during his State of the State of the WordPress, um, basically the big talk he gives every year at the biggest WordCamp, um, said, you know, this is kind of the future. You should be learning JavaScript, um, and there's so much you can do with it. And people kind of abstractly took that and kind of ran with it in their own regard. So some people jumped on a framework um, immediately. Some people. Uh, jumped into just learning jQuery, you know, minimal JavaScript libraries and just adding JavaScript to their repertoire towards for client work. Um, and because of that, there's been kind of a shift, right? So the WordPress community in general right now favors React because Automatic, who's a company kind of behind WordPress, released um, Calypso, which is a um, editor kind of uh, admin tool for WordPress which is built in React. And a lot of the new initiatives coming out of the WordPress core community are built in React. So there was this big shift and it showed that, hey, we're pushing out new code from you know, Automatic. The company behind WordPress is pushing out new JavaScript heavy code. So everyone is starting to now again, uh, learn it and want to jump on that train. Not sure if that answered your question, but yeah, that did. That definitely makes sense. I mean, that I, I don't know if we want to like go there yet, but I guess I will. I'm curious. I watched a couple of your talks this morning. Very like I kind of skimmed through them. I wasn't able to watch the entire uh, of all of them. But you said that you particularly have learned Angular and you're learning some React. What about like, are people using Vue too? Or uh, I can't say it, Aurelia. Um, like, is it really like across the board, people are using all different kinds of front end frameworks? You'll find a whole, a whole mix, but the big players are still going to be Angular and um, React. And, um, I actually just did a, a YouTube video uh, with a friend of mine where we go through kind of like a mini course where we dive into each one of the frameworks and we just we talk about like pros and cons and um, why you might want to use 
that particular framework with WordPress. And we dove into React, Angular, and Vue. Um, and so Vue's actually, actually catching on pretty quickly because um, it's replacing the, the market of Angular 1 uh, right now, which is kind of interesting. Like a lot of people who I used to poach for Angular 1 and say, hey, look how cool this is. Angular 2 has now become too complex for them. So Vue is actually a little more simpler for them. Plus, it's not as heavy. So I'm actually seeing more Vue work done as well. Um, but I haven't seen, um, was it Aurelia? I haven't seen too much of that. I guess, too, like Ember, I should have mentioned that. Ember, uh, no. I mean, I know people who use it, but I haven't seen too much of it um, as far as popular you know, uh, projects or anything like that. There are, you know, for the most part, you'll find almost any framework plus WordPress in some fashion. But for the most part, the biggest ones, uh, the more popular repos, the most popular um, developers are coming out with Angular and or React stuff with a view kind of the last uh, coming in uh, strong right now. So it sounds like, I mean, you've kind of answered one of the questions I had written down, which is kind of like, in 2017, kind of like, what is the architecture of a WordPress site? I don't know if there's more to go into with that, though. It really depends on the site you want to build, right? So because of WordPress is WordPress is this unique thing where you have the ability to be a, a very entry-level website where you can pretty quickly and affordably put together a site with a, with a pre-built theme uh, and with minimal work have a website up and running. Um, the the real reason the REST API is, is great is because it brings up the upper tier of development, right? So when I say, hey, now you can start building out applications that are powered by WordPress that really don't need WordPress uh, templating. Um, so there's kind of this huge range there. So to not nail down a, t a typical like um, architecture for WordPress is kind of difficult. It really depends on where your application is and what you're actually building. Um, but WordPress, because of the API and being able to do headless stuff, I would say WordPress is now coming into architecture that, um, or into the equation of architecture that no, it didn't before. So people are, are considering it for higher scale applications when they didn't think it was a really a feasible option before. That's just, I don't know, that's interesting to me. That's good. It's super fascinating. Um, you know, I was just at LoopConf, which is uh, Salt Lake City, same place NGConf is taking place at. I was at the same hotel, actually, that I'm going to, we're staying at for NGConf. And LoopConf is a developer-focused WordPress conference. It's uh, three days of just development talks. Um, I got to do a six-hour workshop uh, on Angular and using the REST API, which was a lot of fun. And seeing where WordPress is going in the future from developers who are actually part of the community, who are core contributors, and people who kind of have the mindset of, um, you know, what can we build WordPress to be is really, really fascinating. So I don't know, like a lot of people disregard WordPress or have in the past as being this blog, CMS, you know, one step up above like Wix and Squarespace. But uh, because of what's going on right now, because of the API, because of JavaScript um, frameworks out there, I don't know, it's really taking a turn and it's really becoming a, a bigger player 
in the development realm, I think. I, you know, you're seeing developers from other communities come and adopt WordPress for their applications. Um, again, because the user interface is already there, it's been there for a long time, and so many people use and have adopted it already. And how did your uh, class go at LoopConf? Uh, it was really good. Um, we got a mix of, you know, people who uh, were, you know, quickly in over their head. And we got a mix of people who were already far too advanced. But there was a good mix of people who were right in the sweet spot of, hey, you've taught me a bunch today. I'm going to go Google some more and learn how to actually use this or find a use case to use it, which is what I was actually really hoping for. So I got a really good amount of feedback uh, from the from the workshop. And I I think that right now my my kind of goal is to do, um, which is what Charles kind of asked me before, is how do I bring other people into the WordPress community instead of pushing people out of the WordPress community, right? Um, which is why I'm really excited to be talking at NGConf and say, and to show people what can be built or the potential of what can be built with something that's already kind of such a big name stake in, in the internet realm, if you will. Um, so that's kind of the next, my next initiative is to figure out how to show off more and more what WordPress can do for people who just want to focus on the JavaScript framework side of things. So I, I think I heard you mention the WordPress API. Um, and for a while there, it was a plugin, and then if I remember correctly, it's been moved into the WordPress uh, core. core. Yeah. So as of four point seven, which is uh, three release cycles old now, so four point seven uh, saw the introduction of the rest of the API. So uh, to be more specific, half of the API actually made it into core much earlier, and you could actually build out a custom API from that point you know, building out your own plugin, creating your own routes and endpoints. Uh, 4.7 actually saw the introduction of the default endpoint. So being able to go um, out of the box and have a RESTful API that could grab your posts or update posts um, or post data, page data, category data, basically all the data that you need out of the WordPress site. Um, 4.7 saw the introduction of all of that brought into it. So from 4.7 on, you kind of have an out-of-the-box REST API solution for a brand-new vanilla WordPress uh, install. Um, before that, um, I don't remember what version it was that saw the first half installed, but you could do the same thing, but you'd have to build it out all custom. So, yeah, 4.7 was really a big um, jumping-off point for a lot of people. You know, A lot of people were hesitant and waiting on even jumping into JavaScript because of it. Um, and they said, well, once the API is there, you know, we'll utilize it and we'll learn Angular, we'll learn, learn React, we'll figure out how to use this thing once it's all there. So yeah, as a 4.7, it's all there. Um, and it's it's been pretty awesome. As I said, it's, it's really, again, leveled up WordPress in itself and made it a big player in higher end applications. And that, that's that's the primary way that you're telling people to interface with WordPress from JavaScript, correct? Yeah, and the cool thing about it, um, on top of it just being there, it's really, really extendable. So being able to add in your own custom routes and endpoints or even just modifying the data that gets returned 
So return uh, modifying the JSON return to add in custom data is super easy. Um, you know, a few lines of code and the documentation is already out there. A few lines of code and you now have a customization or you have your own API uh, custom, you know, routes and endpoints to work with. So that's another big plus for someone who wants to learn JavaScript, especially if they're coming from WordPress or even just PHP. Um, if they haven't picked up Laravel or anything like that and they just want to play with something restful, uh, minimal PHP knowledge gets you at least customizing the API out of the box. And so you can start creating your own packages. So do you see this as the future of theme development for WordPress? Or is this just a nifty way of getting data out of WordPress? Uh, it's both. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more plugins utilizing the API for um, data output as well as data manipulation on the admin side. So a while back, um, I created two boilerplates, one in Angular, one in React, which basically took a plugin and said, well, if you didn't want to use default WordPress admin and you wanted to create your own, you could create a single page application that runs on the back end of WordPress, which has better UI, better UX, um, and allows you to maybe even, uh, because it's just a JavaScript application, you could actually bring in other data. So if you really wanted to build out something super custom, you didn't have to kind of fall into the default WordPress admin screen look and feel. You could create something really unique. Um, on top of that, there's, <clears throat> sorry, there's kind of this notion that the, the real like big thing that I'd love to see is a brand new admin or maybe even a customized admin uh, based on user role. So I think we're going to see some of that shift first. Um, Jetpack, which is kind of the big, uh, big uh, plugin from Automatic that a lot of people utilize for all of its modules. Um, it's moving into a React infrastructure for the admin. Um, and so we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff. And then eventually we'll see parts of themes being built with uh, JavaScript frameworks powered by the API. The drawback to that is that WordPress powers so many SEO credible sites that until there's like a really solid solution for SEO credibility that can be run out of the box kind of without much uh, overhead or much thought to it, uh, I don't know if we're going to see too much of like full scale themes um, built out that actually render people are going to utilize. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's still so new that I'm not sure what the kind of future holds. Um, I do want to say that people that are just accessing the data and using it as a headless uh, kind of CMS. Um, I think that's going to also be, uh, you're going to see a lot more of that also. So I was curious, uh, I think it was about a year ago, maybe longer, that WordPress announced that they had rewritten in React. And I was just curious how much you're familiar with how that move has worked out. So that was, um, I think you're talking about WordPress.com, uh, which is the kind of like paid uh, 
you know, I don't say it's a Wix Squarespace competitor, but it's basically you pay them or you get a free website and then you get to pay for, you know, domain attachment, things like that. Um, as far as I can tell, people are really liking it. Um, I don't use WordPress.com all too often. I go in there every once in a while to help a friend out with something they might have. Um, the big push from Automatic was Calypso, which is an open source editor, uh, standalone editor that's built in React, as well as their Jetpack plugin, which was the admin was, I think, rebuilt in React. So um, people are liking it. And um, one thing we brought up in our conversation, my conversation, where, I t- where we're talking about all the frameworks, um, was React's a really good UI tool, UI framework, right? Because it follows a lot of the kind of methodologies WordPress already has. Um, WordPress follows, if you're developing for WordPress, you're very familiar with actions and hooks and filters. Um, and while they're not really state driven, they're still at certain intervals, right? Like you tell it here, do the, do an action, and then you can tag into it elsewhere and say, add an action um, or add to that action. Um, I think React's kind of similar, right? Because React has the kind of state events that fire off. So it's very similar in concept uh, to that, as well as I think it's just a very good UI framework. Um, so I think that's why we've seen a lot of adoption of it. And people have really been liking it. And, you know, I'm not going to say that everyone knows that, you know, the new stuff is in React, but people who do notice the change say they've been liking it. So I don't know, maybe that will help with adoption also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I mean, backing up a bit, you're the first person that I'd heard speculate that Vue was getting a lot of adoption because Angular 1 developers were moving to Vue rather than to 2. And I think that's an interesting idea because I can see how Vue is very approachable. But I had assumed that that story that you're telling just as much applied to people moving to React because I very much see Vue and React as more competitors than um, than with Angular because Angular is a framework and Vue is more of a, a library that's really focused on uh, just the the Vue layer. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I wouldn't say that people are moving from Angular 1 to Vue, more so that people that, that would have moved into Angular 1 are now moving into Vue, right? So instead of picking okay. up Angular 1 because they know Angular 2 is now out and it's a little bit more complex, they're picking up Vue instead. And because the learning curve is, I think, a lot easier for Vue to get up and running with something versus Angular 2, um, and way, way easier than React. Um, one thing we compare a lot is Angular 2 and React. Um, you can't just get up and running super quickly. You have to learn uh, build tools. You have to learn usually some other subset of JavaScript, whether it's JSX or you know TypeScript if you want to really do the Angular 2 way. Um, but Vue, for the most part, most of the instances I've seen of people using it are still, you know, ES5 JavaScript, really basic, sometimes ES6, you know, um, JavaScript, but nothing really too far more advanced than that. Um, and that's why I think people are kind of latching onto it. And again, it's, it's Vue layer heavy. It's really specific on being a good UI tool. And that's why a lot of people are, are latching onto it. Um, my... I've seen implementations of themes, but um, I know of a few plugins that are actually now switching up their admin interface even to do view to be powered by Vue over 
um, you know, again, default WordPress or React, they're choosing Vue as kind of like their reactive UI. Um, keep in mind also Vue doesn't have a lot out of the box. So when um, people are pushing towards it because they don't think they need React or Angular to power something, let's say something pretty small. So they're pushing towards Vue because it's a much more lightweight um, and you get you get less, but you get enough, I guess, is what their reasoning is. Good stuff. Yeah, I feel like this would be a, an interesting show. I haven't really heard a, um, a good conversation lately about Vue, but I, I appreciate your inputs and I see what you're saying about the approachability for, for somebody new, especially um, with Vue is quite attractive because you don't need the complexity of the build tooling that's required with uh, React or with Angular for that matter. Yeah, I mean, if I go back to some of my talks from like 2013, 14, 15, even before Angular 2 was really even, I mean, it was, it was a thing, but it wasn't really like, um, it was always kind of this thing that was just going to come out sometime, but not anytime soon. Um, I would show people who were just getting into JavaScript or just, you know, even like barely developers, they were more designers and consultants and or as we call them, implementers, right? They like to implement websites. Um, I'd show them a template in Angular 1 for a simple like loop through of posts, right? So it's really simple. It's, you know, an article, HTML with an ng repeat. And then I'd show them some, uh, you know, some uh, h2 for the title and then uh, ng bind HTML for the post content. And I'm like, here, this is what you've done in PHP, but there's no PHP involved. And that attracted a lot of people who were not uh, understanding PHP or didn't want to get into PHP yet, but they wanted to learn something more advanced to help them out with their own career and allow them to offer more. So Angular 1 was a really easy way to show people the power of um, you know, JavaScript-powered HTML. And when I show people React or Angular 2, it's a little more complex, right? There's... Uh, it's not as easy to show them um, components and modules and stuff and have them understand it as easily in the same way. But when they look at something built in Vue, they're seeing it um, almost as easy, right? It's it's much more e compelling for them to look at it that way. Yeah, good stuff. I agree. So can I ask another question? I, I don't know if... Uh, uh, you're the best person to speak. I will say I have a WordPress blog, but I also blog on Medium. And I really like blogging on Medium for some certain reasons. But do you feel like there are certain things today that make WordPress uh, the preferable blogging engine over some tools like Medium? Like Medium, I should say. Well, let's pause for a moment to talk about our sponsor, Taurus. Taurus is a new tool for managing and securing the secret information that allows your app to run. You know the stuff, passwords, API keys, database credentials, all the stuff that gives access to the private stuff that you don't want anybody to touch except for your application in specific ways. Taurus provides a convenient way to store all this information in the cloud, and they can't access it because it's encrypted with material derived from your password, which is never transmitted to their server. So it's secured from them from everybody else, but accessible to you. This means only the servers, development machines, and applications you've allowed can access the information. So make secrets management headaches a thing of the past and check out Taurus today. 
You can find them at devchat.tv slash Taurus. That's devchat.tv slash T-O-R-U-S. There are certain things today that make WordPress uh, the preferable blogging engine over some tools like Medium, like Medium, I should say. Well, first of all, we don't, I'm not even sure where Medium is going to be in the next few years. Um, <laughs> you and many people. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, I always, you know, I get this question a lot, especially I, I'd almost say the answer is the same answer as people who compare WordPress.org to Squarespace or Wix. And that's just ownership. Like you have the rights to all your code, to all your content. You're not putting it somewhere else for someone else to take the rights of um, the content itself, as well as you have the complete control to display and um, show off your content in any manner that you want to. You're not limited by what Medium says, this is what I want to do this, do today, right? Um, and while I love Medium's UI and a lot of the features they have, people in the WordPress community have wanted, um, that can be built versus, you know, again, you're kind of stuck with whatever Medium wants you to have. Uh, it's not quite as simple. Um, the only benefit to Medium, I would say, is if people just want to write content and put it out there, um, it seems that it's one a little bit easier to just get up and running and say, hey, I want to just put out content out there. Two, um, I don't know, it seems like there's been a little bit more of a shift lately with, at least in the tech community, where you see more shared posts that are on Medium versus, let's say, someone's personal blog site which has kind of been an interesting shift for me to look at um, because I'm used to seeing links or I used to be, I used to see a more links for people's direct websites, right? Here's my blog post on why I did something. And that was great. But then now these big opinion pieces are coming out on medium and that's where it's getting a little more traction. So I don't know. I, I'd be wary of medium just because I'm not sure where they're going to be and what's going to happen to your content. So from an ownership point of point of view, that's where I say WordPress is always going to be better. Um, but for the here and now, I mean, if, if you don't really want to think super long term and you don't think or you don't think Medium is going anywhere, going anywhere, um, it seems to be a much more shareable platform, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you've summed up the merits pretty well. And and that's where, like me, for instance, my number one goal is to get a lot of eyeballs um, on my, my blog posts. And I found that they do a better job of that than my personal blog does, at least right now. And of course, this is going to be completely subjective, depending on how much reach your blog happens to have. Mine's been around a few years, but I don't blog often enough to get a lot of uh, search engine juice. So um, I think there's this recognition of the more, if, if you really want to make a big impact and get a big reach on a WordPress blog, you need to blog more often. Whereas with Medium, you can blog occasionally and you benefit from their sort of built-in community. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. You're also extremely constrained by Medium's opinions, whereas on WordPress, sky's the limit on, on personalization. Yeah, I mean, getting your site, getting your blog site built on WordPress to give you the same amount of reach capable of uh, medium takes effort, right? So that's the one factor that's not there with medium. Um, medium does have a community, so you're kind of already have one kind of leg up with that, where people kind of, you know, you can internally see what other people are posting. 
which is great. And so that WordPress doesn't have, but from a point of view of, you know, my blog is more searchable, like is better for search engines. Um, that usually just takes time and effort, which, you know, some people don't want to put into it. So again, media might be the better choice. So um, I, I kind of want to get back to the API here for a minute. Um, it's a REST API. Um, but one thing that I've been wondering about, because I've, I've been kind of wanting to play with maybe building like a React Native app and have it back onto the WordPress API. Um, if I wanted to do that, how do I do things like authentication? Is it just basic HTTP authentication or is there more to it than that? So there's a couple ways of doing it. There's OAuth, uh, which requires an OAuth plugin. Um, but if you are like most people and don't want to go down the OAuth rabbit hole, which I would not blame you for, um, there's two other ways of doing it right now out of the box. There's cookie authentication, which requires uh, your basic authentication as well as some cookies and nonces, um, which is probably the most the easiest route for authentication, but also not the most secure. Um, so to get up and going, that's what I always choose. I say, hey, I'm just going to do some basic authentication. If the user is logged in, you know that's how I'm going to justify them having access to certain pieces of data uh, just to get up and running. Um, the latest uh, new thing that I have yet to really try out is uh, JSON tokens. There's a plugin now called uh, JWT. Um, I think it's JWT tokens or JWT authentication, which plugs right in uh, to your WordPress site. It's simple. And it, from what I've read and what I've seen, it seems like a really easy way to really get through some of that authentication um, uh, issues. Because authentication is definitely on everyone's mind when they think API and kind of uh, read and write API out there for the whole world. Um, so cookie authentication by default. Uh, I really want to try this JWT, uh, so JSON token um, plugin. I think that's kind of the middle ground. And if you really need something uh, more secure and more advanced, you could go down the OAuth way, which there is a plugin for, and people seem to be using it. So I, I don't imagine it's too difficult, but it still requires OAuth. So, you know. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I guess that's the other thing is access, just access levels in general. Um, I'm using a plugin called MemberPress on devchat.tv to give people access to conferences and things like that. And I know that they have an API uh, that, you know, that uses the same WordPress API and things like that. So I can actually then just query MemberPress and say, do they have access to this thing? And then it'll just work. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's the cool thing about the API, which is what I was talking about earlier and how extendable it is. Plugins are now releasing um, built into their plugin uh, endpoints and routes of just for their own data, right? So custom data that you can do whatever you want with. Um, so if MemberPress allows you to get data for a specific user, um, then yeah, you could do pretty much whatever you want with that data. And if it shows you if they have access or not access, um, that's one way around of, that's one way of doing the whole thing. Nice. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cool plugins. Uh, a lot of the big plugins out there 
are now integrating with API. So WooCommerce, which is the big e-commerce plugin, um, a lot of the smaller, uh, some of the plugins for forms, just so you can grab all your entries from form submissions. Uh, they have APIs. Um, I have a site running EDD, which is uh, Easy Digital Downloads, which is an e-commerce for digital content. Um, they have an, an awesome API. So there's definitely a lot out there um, already that allows you to kind of, uh, you know, what, what's, what, what takes WordPress and how cool it is, is the, all the modularity of all the plugins, but allowing all these plugins to get installed very quickly. And then all of a sudden you have this extra API data to kind of tap into. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting too that, yeah, it exposes all this surface area for you to dive into and grab stuff from and, and work off of. And one of the things that I use a lot is Zapier and, I had lunch with uh, Blair, who built MemberPress, and uh, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, you just use the API in this way, <laughs> you know, set up, I think you set up a web webhook on on Zapier, and then it just does all that stuff, and so if you need it to push, you can do webhooks, and if you need it to pull, then you do the REST API, and it all just kind of works. Yeah, there's, um, Zapier's been really big uh, with the API developers. Um I think it's uh, Word Impress, which create the plugin Give, which is a donation plugin um, that's really popular. Um, a lot of their integrations are with Zapier. And so I, when I talk to those guys, because I'm really close with them, um, they talk about all their integrations with their API and other APIs and how really allows them to, on the back end of, side of things, like on the business side, uh, have their website uh, do whatever they want it to do, have their marketing uh people push out marketing content, but then being able to track a lot of their um, consumers, or sorry, their uh, clients and products and all of that stuff through other channels or other applications even because the API allows them to do that through all their Zapier connections. So are there other things you can do with the API other than push and pull data? And authentication, I mean, are, are there other things you can make it do? I mean, again, the it's it's extendable to the point where you can say, here's a route, here's a, a URL that you're going to hit um, based on what method is hitting that HTTP URL. Here's a callback function. And so really the sky's the limit on what that callback function does. So, for example, I built out an application um, which has a custom URL um, and the endpoint does payments, right? So mm -hmm. on the back end, uh, you're passing in um, a Stripe user, a customer token, a customer ID, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, that passes into the API. The API then says, okay, uh, Stripe API charges customer for X product. And that's all done through the API so that the front end doesn't actually uh, retains the JavaScript, you know, framework, single page application, but you're actually taking on payments and uh, without having to do the default, like checkout process workflow that like most carts do. Um, and there's a lot of other cool things uh, that you can do that are just really basic. So right now I'm working on a project which um, allows customers to open up. So core websites, actually a WooCommerce site, they have products. Each product is 100% customizable. It's using a 
uh, Angular app um, as the customizer, right? So um, what it does is you open up the app from the product page, it pulls in product data, it creates a project, which is actually a custom post type that stores kind of like that user's temporary data. Um, and then you're messing around with this uh, this Angular app, which is super cool UI, GUI interface. And when you save it, um, it saves it back to that custom post type um, in the same JSON block. And then it takes them to through the default WooCommerce checkout. So it's really just like one aspect of the whole WooCommerce workflow for the customer. But when they get to the custom, the customized part, that's actually a single page application that runs on a separate server even um, that's just getting and pushing data uh, to custom endpoints in that WooCommerce uh, WordPress site. Nice. Not sure what else to ask. Does anyone else have questions? Are there good resources for people to get started with the WordPress API and JavaScript? Yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot of talks about it. So check out WordPress.tv and YouTube. Um, if you are wondering uh, which JavaScript framework might be best, um, I actually just released uh, last week a video on YouTube literally called What JavaScript Framework Should You Use with the WordPress REST API? Um, it's under Caldera WP, which is um, the company we're kind of doing that kind of stuff under. Um, I will, I'll send you guys a link. So if you want to link it out, but there's definitely a lot of good resources for uh, learning what the API can do. Um, I even gave a really low level talk in Montreal last year on kind of the case for why we need the API to, to begin with and what you can kind of do with it. Um, so that's kind of a low level talk of people just wanting to understand why this thing exists. Um, and as far as like getting, uh, diving deeper into it, if you've already picked out a framework, um, definitely check out not just wordpress.tv, but, uh, lynda.com has some great tutorials on it. Um, including, sorry, one of my own on angular, um, as well as, uh, West boss, uh, does a really good react course and Zach Gordon has uh, trying to get his website right. I think it's JavaScript for WordPress or WordPress for JavaScript, um, which is a master course. Sorry, it's JavaScript for WP.com, which is JavaScript WordPress master course, as he calls it, which allows you to kind of learn both JavaScript and the API simultaneously, which is really cool. So yeah, definitely plenty of resources out there. A lot of, um, the JavaScript developers who've been JavaScript developers are now releasing a ton of content out there and saying, Hey, we've been doing this for a while. You know, let me teach you how to do it. Now, when you're first getting into it, is there's like some uh, common things that people try to do that sort of get them, get their feet wet in, in the WordPress API? Uh, the easiest thing to do if you're just trying to get your feet wet is try to spit out a page um, that shows your latest blog post, right? Because there's an API endpoint for it and all the data is there. 
Um, so the first thing I tell everyone to do, you know, if you've picked your, whatever it is you're going to build with JavaScript or anything else, or whether it's a framework or a library, uh, just try to show off in not any type of designed way, your latest posts, um, just title and excerpt or title and content. Um, I feel like once you've understood how to do that, then you can start pushing forward into um, multi-view, right? So having a list and detail page, that's usually the next step. And then flipping that whole thing and saying, okay, basically taking that same object, which is a post object for every single post and sending that back to the API as a post request to actually update that, that particular post. So that's kind of the methodology I've been doing when I try to teach people how to use it is first show basic, you know, title content, then move into a multi-view where it's title, you know, excerpt with a detail page, and then flip that and say, okay, same data, now post a request back to show how it's uh, RESTful, and that updates the data. Cool. Um, I have, for my workshop, I did, um, we did three examples. Um, first example was, uh, sorry, it was actually two WordPress examples. Um, first WordPress example was actually a decoupled front end, which uh, I have on GitHub, which is basically Angular 1x um, in HTML fashion. And all you do is set up a config file and say, hey, here's where my WordPress site is. And it does everything else so that it shows your list and detail page. And it can live pretty much anywhere at that point. It's just a decoupled front end. Um, Second example was actually the plugin dashboard, which we're, I was talking about earlier. Um, but the decoupled one, actually, a lot of people liked because um, it confused some people because they're like, okay, where do I run this thing? Does it have to be a theme? Does it have to be a plugin? I'm like, it could be wherever you want it to be. It's kind of irrelevant. As long as the URL for your WordPress site is correct, then it really doesn't matter where it lives. It can live on a whole nother server. Um, so that's always actually another good one to get going with people. Um, people like that if they're advanced enough to understand the concept of, you know, it doesn't have to be a theme to show WordPress content, then that's always a good one because it's really simple. It's just, you know, basic Angular uh, repeat with uh, two routes, basically. This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. Engineers have watched over 2 million hours of Frontend Masters videos to upgrade their skills in the latest best practices in frontend development and Node.js. Popular video courses of theirs include courses on Advanced JavaScript, Angular 2, React, API Design with Node, and Functional and Asynchronous JavaScript. Many of their teachers have even been guests on JavaScript Jabber. Check them out at frontendmasters.com. All right, well, should we get to some picks? Yeah, I got some. All right. Do you want to go first, or should I make the panel go first? Um, you can make the panel go first. All right. Corey, what are your picks? Okay, so uh, I have two picks. Um, my first pick is a, a Webpack plugin that uh, Adi Osmani wrote, which is to help preload or prefetch JavaScript when you're lazy loading. 
Um, super cool. Very, very handy uh, for those that are using Webpack. Uh, so you can uh, chunk your JavaScript up and then just download pieces of it as people navigate through your site. So I'll share a link to that. And then my second is I just want to promote my hometown conference, which is KCDC, uh, Kansas City Developers Conference. That's coming up on August 3rd and 4th. Uh, tickets are available. It's uh, quite reasonable. You can do um, the conference and pre-compiler for 250 or the conference only for 175. And our food is actually good. You get some real deal Kansas City barbecue during the conference too. Always a, an excellent show. We're polyglot. Um, JavaScript is a big piece of the conference every year. And in fact, uh, this year there were more JavaScript submissions, I think, than any other topic. So a great conference for JavaScript devs. Um, those are my two. All right. Well, uh, Amy, what are your picks? Okay. Uh, the first one I have, something I saw in Hacker News last week, um, it is called the Mythical 10X Programmer. Um, and I just thought, uh, if you're, I don't know, there were some like good points in here, good goals and things to think about uh, as you're wanting to improve. So I'll put a link for that in the show notes. And then the other one, I have a new protein bar that I really like. Um, it doesn't have a ton of protein and it has a little bit more sugar than I usually like to have. But uh, Quest has cereal bars now. So the thing I like about these is they're only like, give or take, 100 calories. So uh, like the typical Quest bar is usually like around 200. So this is like half that. I think it has like 12 grams of protein. Anyways. So I was excited when I saw those the other day. And that's it for me. All right, Joe, what are your picks? All right, so this last weekend, I went to SaltCon, which is a convention here in Salt Lake City that is a board game con board gaming convention. So it was three days of just playing board games all day long, and it was super awesome. So I want to pick that for sure. And I played quite a few games, a lot of which are very fun, but one particularly stood out, which I've actually played before. It wasn't new to me, but it was playing it the second time was even more fun than the first, and that is the board game Terraforming Mars. So if you're looking for a good board game, Terraforming Mars is totally awesome. Hard to get right now, but I think it's coming. there's another print run coming, and so within the next month or two, should be back in the stores. And then... If you're looking for a fun convention, once a year, I think in March sometime, they have the SaltCon convention here in Salt Lake City, if you like board gaming. Those are my picks. I think you picked that last year, and I think I was thinking, oh, I really want to go to that. I missed <laughs> it again. Make a note, Chuck. Make a note. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks. Uh, the first pick that I have, um, my wife and I, um, we went out for our 12th wedding anniversary this last weekend and um we it was kind of a busy day because for one um my daughter was baptized and you know in in my faith um you know all worthy men can hold the priesthood which means that i got to baptize her which was really fun um and then the other uh thing that happened was we you know we went out for dinner we went to ruth's chris oh man um uh ice cream or Ruth's Chris steak, it's a hard choice. I'll just, let's just put it that way. And then, um, so I'm going to pick them. And then we went and saw the movie, the shack, which, uh, was just absolutely amazing. Um, I really want to see that. 
Yeah, if you're Christian, you definitely should see it. If you want to kind of understand how Christians see the world, you should definitely go and see it. Um, it was just totally amazing. So um, I'll just I'll just put it out there that way. Um, if if you don't get Christianity, this will get it for you. Um, and yeah, I just I just really really loved the movie. So um, yeah, so those are my picks. Uh, Roy, what are your picks? Cool. Um, I'm going to start off with if you happen to be going to NGConf this year, come check out my talk because I want you to show up. Um, also, calderalearn.com. That is a new um, – we are doing new ways of teaching people or kind of courses online. Uh, we have free courses, recorded courses, and live webinars, which are pretty cool. Uh, we talk a lot about this WordPress JavaScript interchange uh, as well as we're going to be doing a lot of um, – um, object-oriented programming with PHP. Um, so I'm pretty stoked, stoked about that. We launched that last week. So I'm really excited, calderalearn.com. And finally, I just got introduced to this by a developer named Kevin Hoffman um, of the WordPress community. Um, uh, it's called CSS Element Queries. Um, basically, it's a cool new way of doing, it's a polyfill, but it's a cool new way of doing responsive development. And instead of doing uh, browser width or viewport width based uh, CSS, it's actually element based uh, sizing. So if your container is a certain size, um, have your CSS render a certain way, which works really well if you are uh, really concerned about how something looks based on whatever container um, it's in. Really helpful for theme developers who don't get the, or plugin developers who don't get the option to really dive into their theme code, a user's theme code. So I've been diving into it. It's really, really cool. Um, there's a GitHub repo, CSS element queries, um, pretty nifty thing. And I, from what I hear, it's going to become browser supported in the near future, but not yet. So this is a polyfill, but really cool. And that's it for me. Nice. I forgot one other pick and I need to pick it now. Um, I'm going to be putting up a Kickstarter. So, um, and, and this is for a replacement for five minutes of JavaScript. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and just tell me how much they missed that show. Uh, Code School used to put it on and they closed it up. So if you want this, um, I'm just going to put the Kickstarter up basically for what it costs me to uh, put together a podcast for six months. And then hopefully by then I'll have sponsorships that actually pay for the show. Um, I'm also going to be looking for a new um, co-host. I'll probably offer the position first to the panelists for JavaScript Jabber. But if, if none of them are interested, then um, I may just open it up. So you may want to keep an eye out for an announcement just in case that becomes a possibility. So anyway, um, I'll have a link in the show notes for the Kickstarter. Um, in fact, uh, if you go to devchat.tv slash 5JS, it'll take you to the Kickstarter. How about that? I can just set that up now. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to interacting with some folks and getting an idea and a feel for um, you know how I can put content out there that serves your needs. So yeah, anyway, uh, I, I wanted to put that out and I forgot when I was doing my picks, so... There you go. Uh, Roy, thank you for coming on and talking about this. I think I think it's always interesting just to see kind of this other angle on development and what we can do on the web. Uh, thank you for having me on. All right. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we'll catch you all next week.
Bye. Thank you. See ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.